to the C3 Podcast. That's chats, codes, and chaos. I'm Eli Sudafong, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Amy Magner, and our two guests. My name is Vincent Hood. I'm Nadia Paniagua. And guys, what do you want to talk about today? So in light of the Oscars just being recently, um, we're going to talk about a pretty popular movie um, that has just actually won Best Picture, and that movie is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Mm -hmm. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once would have to be my favorite movie from 2022. Would you like us to go into the plot of the movie, or would you guys want to go? Um, We can just state some facts about it right now. Uh, It was directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner and produced by A24, and it's actually been officially the most awarded movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty crazy because, um, I mean, there's so many different awards this thing has won and award shows that it's gone to. And the fact that the budget of the movie was only um, $20 million and most, like, most like high-awarded movies are way higher of a budget. Mm-hmm. And it, it somehow grossed uh, $133.5 million in box office, which is actually um, pretty low for having such an awarded um, screenplay. But um, it's actually pretty high for being a rated R movie, since typically rated R movies don't um, get that much recognition. It sounds honestly pretty cool. I'm kind of upset because I haven't had the chance to watch it just yet. So I'm happy to have you guys here just to like explain a little bit of the plot for us. Um, Can you tell us how it compared to some of the other rated R movies in its category? So the average uh, gross of rated R movies is around 30 million. And some other like some examples are Smile, which uh, made 217 million. Nope, which made 170 million. And Bullet Train made 100 million. Mm-hmm. And um, so looking at the different genres of these rated R movies, most of these high-grossing rated R movies that were released this year were like either horror or thrillers. Um, and looking at rated R movies as a whole, the most the first rated R movie to ever gross over a billion dollars was Joker, directed by Todd Phillips. So it kind of shows that most rated R movies aren't like making as much as um, other popular films. Which makes sense because, you know, you can't bring your kid to a rated R film. Right. There's an age limit on rated R movies, whereas other movies there's not. Yeah. So how would you guys best describe the plot of everything, everywhere, all at once? Um, it was everywhere, every, what? <laughs> <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once, basically. It was crazy. But the genres also include comedy, action, and adventure. And, um, like, the deeper meaning was, like, uh, a child reconnecting with their parent. And mm. I think it was really emotional. I cried. Vincent cried. Uh, the old lady that watched it next to me cried. So It's big on a mother-daughter relationship mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie. So as far as representation, can you give us a little glance at casting and what they thought about when they were picking out the cast for this movie? Yeah, so looking at this movie, um, it has pretty much a full Asian cast, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of representation. Um, Michelle Yeoh, um, she got a lot of notoriety after playing a Bond girl in Tomorrow Never Dies. And she was the first um, like fe- uh, female lead in a James Bond movie that kind of changed the dynamic a role that James Bond had with the supporting actresses. Um, she had a, she had participated in a lot of action sequences and um, kind of just broke the uh, stereotype that and showing showed that women in spy series weren't always just the damsel in distress. 
Um, she also played in uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is another popular classic mm-hmm. um, that includes a full Asian cast. Um, and she also just re- uh, landed her first BAFTA nomination for Best Leading Actress. And then they had uh, Kihui Kwan, another big child actor, and he's most famous because of his role in uh, The Goonies and Indiana Jones and also The Temple of Doom. And uh, both he and um, Michelle got an Oscar this year. Actually, Michelle got uh, Best Female Actress and Kihui Kwan got Best Supporting Male Actor. Mm. And I had learned for the first time watching his Oscar acceptance that he was in The Goonies. He was Dada in The Goonies. Which, you know, is awesome for me because I grew up on that movie. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All of our childhood is getting mm-hmm. the recognition. Um, Stephanie Hsu, um made her first big film. Uh, she's had appearances on other small, smaller TV shows, but this is her first, like, big film. Which, and she plays Joy, right, in the movie? Yeah. Daughter. Yeah, she had, a, she had pretty good acting sequences. She's really good for a... Um, for her first like kind of debut right like if this was her debut performance like it was yeah a pretty good role yeah isn't she nominated for an oscar too um yeah i think she was i think she was nominated for best actress yeah yeah supporting actress um which but the winner of the best supporting actress um was jamie lee curtis who was also in this movie (laughs) i love jamie lee curtis i'm sorry well deserved honestly Yeah, she was a well-known actress that has been in cinema for quite a long time, and she was in movies such as Trading Places, A Fish Called Wanda, True Ties, and much more. Also, Freaky Friday, right? That's her? Yeah, Yeah. she's in Freaky Friday. I love that movie. I love Um, that movie. And uh, today, she's recognized for her performances in the Halloween franchise, and her mother was actually in Classic Psycho, but this was her first Oscar, and I think it was very well-deserved and about time. I was going to say, I feel like it's definitely about time for her because, I mean, she's been in the Halloween franchise since the very beginning, and she's making the final movie now. She's the head of all of their advertising, but I'm glad I'm glad she finally got her Oscar. I yeah. think it's well-deserved and about time. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to, like, the more awarded films, um, look, just looking at awards alone, the second most awarded film of all time is The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, um, which actually got 101 awards, whereas Everything Everywhere almost almost doubled that with um, currently 165 awards, and it's still counting. Mm-hmm. Um, its most notable awards, of course, are it won seven Oscars, um, five Screen Academy Guild Awards, and six Golden Globe Awards. Yeah, and some other things was um, Michelle Yeoh became the first Asian woman to win Best Actress at the Oscars. And actually, she's only the second woman of color who won Best Actress. Mm -hmm. And Jamie Lee Curtis uh, made her comeback, winning the Best Supporting Actress. Ki-Hoi Kwan won Best Supporting Actor. And the movie also won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Editing. And and without even having to watch the Oscars, I knew it must have won best editing because the editing in this movie like is the main reason why it gives you such whiplash when you're watching it because you feel as disoriented as all the characters and it's does a really good job of making you feel like you're in two places at once or a million places at once or whatever honestly you guys are making me really want to watch this movie and i'm getting frustrated that i can't (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was pretty the filming process i mean i can't even imagine 
I, oh I feel like I watched somewhere that they talked about it only took them like a month or two to film the whole thing. Which is weird because there's like like a million different settings that go on in this yeah. movie. It's like it's, so many storylines, like the the noir storyline or the multiverse where she's a cook, the multiverse where she's in a she's a famous actor, famous singer, the hot dog universe. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Okay, and to connect it back to data science, we actually had an assignment a while ago uh, with IMDb, um, but we actually weren't able to do it because our computers have blocked it, and we had to do like a weird, a, like a weird, what's it called, link to get to it. But um, we just thought it was too much work, so we didn't do it. But I actually don't remember what the assignment was. I think it was taking the Arvest and taking like. I don't know. Viewing like the top grossing movies from every year. I think it was taking the the data straight from a yeah. web page and turning it into like readable, usable data from just like uh, the HTML on the screen, you know, simplifying it. Basically taking something directly from a website and being able to convert that into our RStudio page and get all of the data sorted so that we can work with it, um, get it all pretty so we can present it to people, everything like that. Speaking of um, IMDb, um, so looking at this movie again, um, going in more about what it's about, we talked about that it is like a, a multiversal movie. And the only like real popular movie that has explored that is kind of um, the Doctor Strange one. Yeah, the Doctor Strange movies. <laughs> which that took a, a lot of turns that were... That's a... Uh, ooh. <laughs> I don't know if we want to get into that because I have some strong opinions about that movie. <laughs> Yeah, um, the description <laughs> the description of this movie was from the IMDb page was that a middle-aged Chinese immigrant is swept up into an insane adventure in which she can on, alone save um, existence by exploring other universes and connecting with lives she could have lived. Yeah, it's one thing, uh, aside from just the Asian representation, um, that I appreciate is the representation for uh, middle-aged people as in like most movies you see it's young people because you want as many people to go watch it but the stars of these movies are like a middle-aged couple which you know if you think about the average person in the world would be a Chinese middle-aged person so it makes sense but yeah. you just don't see old people in movies especially not in leading roles yeah it's kind of like the ultimate underdog movie I feel <laughs> like we in the movie you learn that she is living like her worst life. Mm, she's working at a laundromat, dead end job. She is struggling to keep up with finances. I mean, that's a catalyst for the whole movie. She goes uh, to the IRS building. <laughs> wow. She has so many um, side adventures that she goes on, really just exploring her potential, mm -hmm. and it's really like a metaphor to everyone and the lives they can live and how we can make um, the most of what we have. And the choreography is insane in this movie. The fight scenes are so vivid and imaginative and, you know, some it's like truly unique for action movies in general. Yeah. And when you said that it only took like one or two months to film, I'm like, they had to choreograph all those action scenes and like there was a lot going on. Honestly, yeah, it's crazy to me what people have like the film industry has been able to do nowadays with technology and how everything like is advancing because... 
what it sounds like and like I've seen trailers for this movie and seen how crazy like I'm sure the trailers don't even begin to cover how crazy all of the CGI and everything is but the fact that they were able to bust that movie out in just like a month is insane to me because I've seen countless shows where the CGI is just not it and it's like guys you spent months on this months I love how the first thing I think of when I think of action scenes is when the woman uses her dog as a mace. What? <laughs> she has like a little <laughs> she like does what? she has like a little like she uses like toy the dog the leash uh, with the leash and she uses it at a, as a mace to fight uh, the main character. So she like swings the dog. Yeah, around. she swings it oh around. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I wanted to like talk about like you, you were talking about how it's so crazy but they also like I want to talk about the rock scene they like bring it back and like there's these scenes where it's just like they're in a universe where people are rocks or something mm-hmm. and it's oh like in, you're in the theater and it's just quiet and you're just reading like what they're saying and it just felt like I don't know you want to talk about that was about a really scene? touching scene because up until that point you're just overloaded with information and it's this one moment of peace where like these two characters finally are understanding each other. Like, it's so relieving. Yeah, it was like a break from all the chaos that was happening. And like making it subtitles instead of actual people speaking was, it just added to that um, serenity kind of so in that moment. The scene uh, that we're talking about is the universe where life never existed and the two main characters uh, talk to each other as rocks because they can understand each other. Because, you know, because they're multiversal gods at this point. (laughs) (laughs) They just control the multiverse. Honestly, that sounds pretty cool because, like, the thought that the, the, like, directors and the screenwriters had to put into that just because, like, they had this whole buildup. It sounds like of everything being everywhere all at once, being crazy, and, like, you're being overloaded. And then to finally, like, have a moment where the two main characters are finally able to talk and just be chill. Even if it is just as rocks, it's kind of cool. And then there's the googly eyes, which is great symbolism for how goofy the world can be and how goofy this movie is. (laughs) Yeah. Whenever you see googly eyes in the movie, that's um, a point where, like, a big change is happening or just, like... Which circles in general, I feel like. Circles in general, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's just kind of, yeah, the there's bagel, the, bagel the bagel with everything machine. on it. Yeah, uh, it just kind of symbolizes how life is just going around and round. Round and round. And I really just like all the themes in this movie. It really it's touches on. funny because if you think about it, the mom character sees the circle as like an infinite cycle, you know, everything, you know, this infinite loop. And then the daughter character sees it as like the number zero that it all means nothing, and it's these two conflicting ideas. That's the main cru- the main conflict of this movie. Sound like my English teacher <laughs> making all my these. My bad. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love. I really. It is really all about the metaphors mm-hmm. in this movie. I mean, there is. It's like poetry on screen, and I just. I just really love like that. This a movie could really put that into word or visuals i guess did you guys think that the movie was over at the end of act one when it just said the end i like expected the credits to start rolling right after that because it lingers on like the end screen for like 60 seconds yeah and then it starts doing credit rolls (laughs) like thank god it kept going (laughs) yeah i thought there was gonna be a sequel 
I definitely, I got scared because I didn't want to wait, but it was only like halfway. All right. So as far as reviews for this movie goes, what's the overall consensus from the population? Like, I know it won. Well, here's the thing, because I've seen so many like Oscar and award shows where people have been so upset because certain people have not like won the Oscar when society thinks that they should have. Yeah. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is now winning her first Oscar, and she's been in countless movies. So what's the general consensus of this movie? Yeah, so the movie got 94% on Rotten Tomatoes and 86 on audience score. Um, basically, I feel like general rule of thumb, um, Rotten Tomatoes is mainly, mm-hmm. um, well, it's all by critics, but they basically go off, mostly go off of um, how it's made, production, cinematography. I feel like audience score typically goes off of overall audience, enjoyability. Yeah. Right. Audience score is way more opinionated and critics are like the experts. Yeah. Okay. Looking off Google, there tends to be a gap between people giving the movie five stars versus one star. And overall, the Google review system gives the movies four stars. And they're always kind of shocking. Like, one star reviews typically go, like, on a hate train over, like, any movie. And so usually looking at, like, three stars and above is typically a good rule of thumb. But we do have a quote from a one star review, (laughs) which I will read now. It's interesting reading a vast amount of reviews after watching a movie. One gets a true, honest sense of what people really think, and more accurately, the way they think. Movie reviews in this sense are a pretty good barometer as to the general intelligence of modern society. <laughs> so it sounds what? like they're not really talking about their movie. I know. They're, they're just going out Okay, so this is a societal rant, I guess, giving it a one-star review. You guys are... <laughs> Dumb as hell, and I'm right, and you can't enjoy things because I didn't like it, and I didn't get it, and it was weird, and I don't like weird. And weird's weird, and chaos, and my brain couldn't follow it because slow brain. Yeah, I feel like I feel like for reviews on this movie, I feel like the people who went into the theater like knowing nothing, um, they were really like shocked and surprised mm-hmm. and loved it. But I think a lot of the people that went to watch it afterwards with all the hype and all the all the popularity now surrounding it they were expecting like this amazing movie mm-hmm. and they might have been disappointed cuz like so much is happening and yeah yeah when so- when a movie has like a billion things to say sometimes it just goes over your head cuz you're like this is too much information or like this is meaningless to me because you know what are this is just a bunch of nonsense right and it may not like it might not make sense to that particular person at that time who are writing those one-star reviews. Like, maybe they didn't need that movie, but it could have touched a family who genuinely needed that movie and it spoke to them as as, as an audience, and that's directly what the director's intended for. Yeah. Um, going back to the rated R thing, I feel like a lot of... Um, there's more of a unique audience. Some people might not like certain things, and that might also not really affect the story but it'll affect the reviews in a way like oh maybe they didn't like the violence language right um i feel like there's a lot of things that go into ratings and awards as well i mean looking at the awards again the oscars and all these shows um it really is all critics stuff and um 
I mean, it, I mean, we know how much controversy a lot of this like stuff causes, and people didn't see their favorite actor, favorite movie, won something. Right. Yeah. So I feel like there could be personal bias tied yeah. to all of the reviews. Which honestly, that is all a review is. It's just your personal bias. But I think because, like you guys said, it was a huge gap. It sounds like they either liked it or they hated it. <laughs> Which, I mean, what can you do? But I feel like it was just. I yeah. don't know. I can see both sides of the opinions where, you know, this could be the most ingenious movie of all time. And, you know, but when you're actually watching the movie, some of the jokes fall flat. You know, some yeah. stuff is like, uh, you could have left that out. This doesn't really add to the theme. But um, overall, I left the movie theater feeling like I gained something from watching this movie. And, like, I felt like artistically I advanced as a person, like, because, you know, it makes you feel creative. It makes you feel like doing something weird and silly because the movie loves it, like, basks in being silly and weird. And I think that's something that should be celebrated, just silliness and goofiness. Yeah, but I was going to say there's quite a bit of stuff that could have been left out. <laughs> the sausage fingers the sausage world, fingers. I couldn't. I don't know. Maybe that's why, like, it threw a lot of people off because, of, like, the comedy aspect, like, Kind of took a little bit away from, like, the more emotional stuff. Even for me, the humor isn't, like, my thing for this movie. Yeah, I feel like there was some, like Nadia said, there was definitely unnecessary scenes. But I think that's just the directors and their humor and how they wanted to portray certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, overall, this movie is just just a great movie. And it it really shows that you don't need a huge budget to make such, like, an amazing film that got so many awards. Yeah, I would definitely recommend everyone everywhere should watch this movie, especially Amy, after this podcast. I will. I will go home. I will find a way to watch it. I promise. Yeah, bootlegging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, we can't say that. I was going to say, <laughs> don't expose me like that, guys. We're not, we want, we aren't bootlegging anything. We, the students of Snyder High School, do not endorse illegal activities. We are completely legal. Everything here is legal. Anyways, <laughs> do you guys have any finishing thoughts before we wrap this up? I feel like we've got pretty much everything we have to say about everything. Everything, everything. You got everything everywhere. You covered everything. Yep. Right. All right. Well, if that's all you guys wanted to share with us today, we've got some new guests coming on in our next episode, Nick and Dad. But if that's all, then we'll see you in the next one. Yep. Bye.